It is great to see all of you tonight. We got the garage doors open. I mean, we had two awesome songs. We're going to sing again in just a little bit. And we're going to dig into the book of Revelation. We're past the halfway point if you have been keeping up. And don't worry, each week it does build on the week before, but everyone is a little bit of a standalone also. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to open your Bible to Revelation 13. We're going to look at two chapters tonight, 13 and 14. So go ahead and open to Revelation 13. And as we start, I'm going to read the first 10 verses to you. And so do me a favor. Would you stand back up as we read these first 10 verses in Revelation 13? And I saw a beast rising out of the sea. This beast had ten horns and seven heads and ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on his head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to the dragon it gave, and to, and to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. And one of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. They worshiped the dragon, for he had given authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, and they said, Who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opens its, its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Father, would you speak to us tonight? As Will just prayed, without you illuminating our minds and our hearts to your word, Lord, we're just attending. And I ask that you would open all of our minds, all of our hearts that your Holy Spirit would move in this place and you would have your way with us, Father, and that we would leave here knowing for certain that we are marked with you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. I toyed around with a bunch of different titles for tonight as we look at Revelation 13 and 14, and I landed on the idea of lifeless, because what we're going to see is the Antichrist, and the Antichrist is going to come. That's who we just read about. He's going to be followed by uh, his partner, who is the, the prophet, and Satan is going to empower them. So I call this the evil trinity. This is, this is the anti-trinity. You have Satan who's going to empower a world leader. That world leader is going to have a false prophet at his side. And the three of them are going to be folks that everyone on earth, it says, bows down to. Now, this is not new information. The beauty of the book of Revelation is that... One, we see the sure victory of Christ. 
and all who follow Christ, all who are in Christ. But we also see tons and tons of the Old Testament in this book. No other book has more Old Testament in it than the book of the Revelation. And so I want to start this evening off with a quote out of Daniel chapter 8, verses 23 and 25. It says, And the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. He shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many, and he shall even rise up against the prince of princes. He shall be broken, but by no human hand." So what we see in Daniel chapter 8, verses 23 through 25, is a vision that Daniel saw of who this person would be. And there's some fascinating stuff that we can see in the book of Daniel. So this person is going to rise up. They are going to take power. I'm going to show you a little bit of that as we walk through the scriptures. And no human will be able to beat this person. And like we talked about last week and the week before, when a demon or an angel faces off with a human, the human is never a match for anything who is born and lives in the spiritual realm. We just can't compete. And so this human is powered by the most powerful of the demons, the old serpent himself, Satan. And so no human can stop this thing that's happening. No nation, no plan, no nothing. And so when Daniel says at the end of that passage, he said, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. What we'll see as we get into chapter 14 is the one who's going to break the serpent, the antichrist, and the false prophet. And that's going to be the lamb. So let's take a look. First, let me just give you a little list of what the Antichrist will be. So we've got this little, this little list. I think we've got a slide for you on what the Antichrist will be. The Antichrist is going to be powered by Satan. He's going to rise to power through Satan. He's going to have a faux resurrection. You see in the passage we just read, he has what appears to be a mortal wound, but the mortal wound has healed. That would obviously be able to, he could proclaim the power of Christ who was killed and raised again. He's going to be a promiser of peace. He's going to be powerful in war. He's going to be internationally renowned and he's going to despise Christ and Christians. Now this shouldn't be too far off for you to start to understand. If you've kept up with the Roe versus Wade stuff over the last couple of weeks and all that's gone on, there have been many people that have reported the only thing stopping us from keeping Roe versus Wade and having a woman's right to choose are those Christians. Now you imagine a whole world that says it's those Christians that are the ones that are stopping us. That's what this guy is going to do. He's going to rage war on Israel, the people of God, the chosen people, the, the Hebrew people, and he's going to rage war on the offspring of Abraham, the Gentile believers as well. He's going to rage a war, and it will be a holy war. It'll be unholy versus holy. And so let's take a look at where I got some of those ideas. So what happens? This beast rises out of the sea, 
That means he's been given power to stand up. The sea is the abyss. So he's going to rise out of chaos. It wouldn't take much for our whole world to tilt into chaos. And so he's going to rise up out of chaos. He's going to be powered by the beast. He's going to have 10 horns and seven heads. We did a sermon talk back last week because we didn't really have a full length sermon. And so Will in the sermon talk back, um, Will who's up here leading, Will this is for you. Will said, tell me about the horns. Those horns, those horns are the power to rule a nation. And so he's going to be able to rule all the nations. Why? Well, he's got 10 horns. 10 is the number of all of humanity. And so he's going to have a, a horn for all of humanity. He's going to rule all the people. He's going to have blasphemous names on its head. Let's just pause right there. What is blasphemous? Like you shall not blaspheme. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Well, the way you, the way you don't blaspheme is you give God the credit. So what is blaspheme? It's not giving God the credit. It's either cursing God or you taking the credit. Think about things like the Titanic. Not even God can sink this ship. Things you should never say about a car or a boat or something like that. Like, that is a blasphemous name ascribed to a boat. Not even God can sink this ship. Give him one try. Like, uh, you know, I like, just throw an iceberg out there. And so, like, that, what this Antichrist will be saying, I don't know that it's as much like, you know, saying swear words about God as it is saying it's all about me. Look what I can do for you. Think about most every politician's run for office. Look at what I can do for you. That's what this person is going to say. They're going to take the, the credit away from God and put it on themselves. The difference between this person and a lot of other people is this person will deliver. This person's going to create a pretty secure world system affecting the economy and affecting the military. This person's going to have it all. So, he goes on, and what he gives here in the second verse um, is a little excerpt from, again, the book of Daniel. We won't get into that, but if you want to go back and do any study, look at Daniel chapter 7, and, uh, and then you get to, to verse 3, and it says, on one of his heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. So it, you, a little bit later in the passage, it says that that mortal wound came from the sword. So there's a chance that this person has some sort of war hero to him. He's got a battle scar that should have killed him. I don't, you'll laugh about this. People have been trying to figure out who the ultimate antichrist is, and uh, they've been trying for a long time. When I was a little kid, it was Gorbachev because he had like the birthmark, and they were like, that's him. And I was like, I don't know. I think it's a birthmark. I don't know if that's a mortal wound. And they were like, no, 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 it's him. It's got to be Mikhail Gorbachev. And so like people were real serious about that. Like they were like, well, it can't be Hitler because nobody shot him in the head yet. And he hasn't come back. Like, like people have always, been, they've been trying to pin this person. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And so we see that this person gives the effect, the idea that they can't die. That is an anti-Christ. Christ is the only one you can't kill and keep him dead. He dies of his own accord and rises of his own accord. And so in every fashion, this person is going to set themselves up against the government, or against, the, against, not the government, but the rulership of Christ, the leadership of Christ. 
And this person's going to be worshipped. Verse 4, they worshipped the dragon, which is Satan, for he had given authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast and said, who is like the beast? Who can fight against it? You realize that when you worship Jesus, you're also worshipping God the Father. And you're worshipping via the Holy Spirit. You have this Trinitarian worship that goes on. When people will worship this person, whether they know it or not, they're worshiping the one who's empowering this person. If I said, hey, the whole world's going to enter into satanic worship, you would be like, you have read a weird book. If I said, hey, the whole world is going to support this one guy that's going to come on the scene and say, I can unify you. I can give you a strong economy. I can bring the world to peace. I can do all these things if you just follow me. If people swear their allegiance to that person, then they are worshiping that person. And if that person is empowered by Satan, they are ultimately worshiping Satan. And that's what's happening here. And you say, how could that even happen? How could a whole world get tricked into worshiping a person and following a person? I don't know. Think back to the 1940s. How does, how does Hitler come to power and convince an entire nation, a modern nation, one of the most modern nations, that you should exterminate an entire race of people? And before too long, people are like, yeah, Jews are really bad. We should do that. It's not that hard to trick us. And so this person will trick a whole world. He'll be a master at deceit. Look at verse 5. He's given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. So for three and a half years, if this is a literal statement, if not, it's for a short period of time. So if, whether it's three and a half years or whether it's um, a figurative moment, it is a short period of time. But for a short period of time, this will be the most eloquent person on earth. If you think about it, this person, and then as we get into the prophet, it's another Moses and Aaron. They're taking, they're stealing scenes from God's story and trying to make it their own. Now, some people, a little background, a lot of commentators uh, would say that the church has been raptured, has been taken by chapter 13. And then a lot of other commentators would say, no, that's not a thing. They're not taken or raptured. They're still there. So where, whichever camp you're in, I think what you'll see is the number of true believers either way is very small. In Matthew 24, 12 and 13, Jesus said, when the time comes for the end to draw near, he said, the love of many will grow cold. And we're going to see in here, there's a call, a call for our love to be stoked, our desire for the Lord to be kindled. Because the harder and more difficult it becomes for you and I to practice Christianity, and folks, the day is over. It's over for cultural Christianity. Everybody's tired of that game. And people will call you out. So when the day comes, and it's coming, when the clamp of suffocating grip, the death of Satan comes and starts locking his hand around the believers of the earth, and all you got to do is cry uncle and deny Jesus, 
the love of many will grow cold. And it'll first start taking place like it already is in your work, in the documents they make you sign, the things you can't say, the things you can't do. The suffocating grip will get more and more constrictive. And more and more folks will find a way to raise their hand and say, I didn't really mean that. And the love of many will grow cold. And so you get to verse 7, and it says, It also was allowed, and this is important, evil is always allowed to do its thing. Evil is never more powerful than the hand of God. And so this evil person is allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. That doesn't mean snuff out their faith, but it means the number of martyrs will increase as we press on down the road of time. And so... It's going to make war on the saints. Authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. All who dwell on the earth, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, are going to worship him. What you start to see in this chapter and what you start to see in the next chapter is that everybody in the world is going to be of the beast or of the Lamb. Now, let me just make that even more practical. Everybody in this room right now at 8, 11 p.m. on Tuesday night is either right now, this moment, you are either of the lamb or of the beast, and there is no middle ground. Everybody in this room is either of the lamb or of the beast. And look at verse 10. Here is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. Uh, A couple of years ago, right before this thing called COVID happened, December of 2019, I ran an ultra uh, trail marathon. And uh, I did that because a friend of mine ran, uh, he's run the Leadville 100 multiple times. And that summer I went out with him to Colorado and he said, will you come and pace me? And I was like, yeah, like how far? And he said, like maybe 15 miles or so. And I was like, that's not a pace. That's like a full run. That's like a race. It's not a pace. So I picked him up at like mile 60 and finished with him in the middle of the night at mile 75. And, uh, and this guy's tough. He's like the, the toughest guy I know. If he walked in, you wouldn't think anything of him. But he, uh, at one point, probably like mile 68 or so, uh, we're running in Leadville, Colorado. At mile 68, he started dry heaving. And, uh, and he, he like stopped and tried to throw up. And he was talking over his gasping and dry heaving. And he was like, if I could just throw up, I would feel better. And I was like, you're the strongest man I know. And so he, he and, then, and then he took off. At mile 68, I had done like eight miles at that point. I couldn't catch him. He had to have been doing about a 6.45 pace. And he was flying, like I couldn't catch him. And when I finally got up to him, I said, Clay, what are you doing? He said, if I run hard enough, I'll throw up and get this out of my system. 
I was like, what in the world? So then I trained for this. He like inspired me. And so I was like, what's the shortest distance for an ultra? And it's 50K, 32 point something miles. And I was like, that's what I'll do. And so I signed up for this ultra. And when I first started running, like I couldn't, there was no way I could run 32 miles. And 32 seemed like a stupid number anyway. Um, And so, but the more I trained, the more I was like, oh, I can, I can do this. And then on race day, I ran all 32 miles and we ran it. Heather ran, Heather like was cheering us on. We had multiple people run like little portions with us. And, uh, and I ran with, with these two, our two, two of our friends, these two sisters. And so Amanda and Megan and their husbands were on the side cheering us on. Amanda and Megan finished second and third for the women. I finished not in a place for the men. Um, but we, uh, when we got done, I was like, that's amazing. And it's amazing what training will do. Saturdays that I would run 20 miles in the rain in the winter. One time it was raining the whole run, all 20 something miles. And at one point I couldn't tell if it was raining anymore. I had been outside so long in the rain. I was like, is it still raining? And it was the most surreal thing I think I've ever experienced. What I learned in all of that was that nobody starts with endurance. You build endurance. And so how do, how do we avoid the traps of the Antichrist? How do we avoid the traps of the prophet we're about to see? How do we avoid the pitfalls of Satan? Look, it, the Lord protects us. He insulates us for a little while. No baby bird is just born and thrown out of the nest and is supposed to fly. We got to build that endurance because if we don't build that endurance, the ultra marathon is coming. And it's coming for all believers. And we're supposed to cross the finish line. And so that's part of the reason I'm so, I love seeing you on Tuesday nights. You're building your endurance. I love seeing you on Sunday mornings. You're building your endurance. A bunch of you are in small groups. You're building your endurance. Hopefully you're waking up in the morning and you're picking up your Bible. And even if you don't know where to start, you're opening it and you're like, people read this thing. I'm going to try. And you like start to read. You go buy a devotional book. You text one of us and you're like, where should I start? What should I read? And you, you start to learn to build that endurance And when you build your endurance, you build your faith. And you're able to spot the enemy as he approaches you. And you swipe left. And you're like, I saw that one coming. I can avoid that one. All right. You, you, there we go. I like that. You're like, does he know what he's saying? I do. I know what I'm talking about. I've read books. Uh, And so that's what we're supposed to do. It's a call. This listing here is not to scare you about this person. This listing is to warn you. And there's an admonition there of this is a call for the endurance and the faith of the saints. But then he sees another beast rising out of the earth. And this one has two horns like a lamb. I'm in verse 11. And it speaks like a dragon. It exercises the authority of the first beast in the presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs. It even makes fire come down out of heaven. So this is the false prophet. And this false prophet is an anti-Elijah. 
What did, what did Elijah do? Elijah was the one who, who set the course for Messiah to come. He was the one who warned the people of the evil and called people back to God. This person is doing the exact opposite. He's warning the people about God and calling people to the beast. He's even allowed to do miraculous signs. And it's really hard for a first world group of people to understand. I just need you to go on a mission trip. I need you to go on a mission trip to another country and you'll see stuff that you're like, I had no idea that that was a real thing. A long time ago, I heard a guy say, I said, why isn't there as much like supernatural stuff in America? And he said, Satan gave us materialism. What else does he need to distract us with? We go to a third world and you start to see like, oh, stuff happens when people pray. Things do go bump in the night. There are miracles out there. And yet we still see some of that here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dismiss that. We do see some supernatural things here. But we will. One day the whole world will see this great deceiver and his assistant, the prophet, drawing attention to him and saying, yeah, 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 you've heard the old Bible stories. Let me show you the Bible stories. You heard about Elijah calling fire down from heaven? Watch me call fire down from heaven. And people will say, well, you must be the truth. These guys must be the way. They must be the life. But I want you to notice something that's never promised between the Antichrist and the, and the person, the false prophet who follows him. They never promise life. They promise a type of survival. They promise an earthly existence. But they never promise life. So this prophet you can see on the screen, this prophet is going to be able to perform miracles, demand the worship of the beast, and call and receive, and call for all to receive the mark of the beast. Take a look at these last couple of verses in this chapter. It says, starting in verse 16, it also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, that's all the people, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. This is the number of a man, and his number is 666. We, have, uh, we had a guy not long ago come in. He preached on a Sunday. He works for the, the International Mission Board, which is the, the Southern Baptist sending agency for missionaries all over the world. And when he came in, he had, his name is Zane. Zane had like this beard. It was like awesome. I wanted to grab his beard. It was beautiful. It was like thick and full. He used to be um, like a little bit portly. And then like in his, in his like second half of his life, he was like, I think I'll begin working out. And so he worked out, shaved his head and grew a giant beard and bought a Harley. Like I was like, that's called a midlife crisis, Zane. Um, but really godly guy, super guy. He said that when they started requesting that all people who worked for the International Mission Board who were overseas become fully vaccinated. He got letter after letter after letter that said, you are making us take the mark of the beast. And Zane was like, no, I'm just asking you to like get vaccinated. He said it was hate mail, true hate mail. Look, your iPhone, your vaccination, your credit card, your Apple Watch, those are not the mark of the beast. Just 
Take a deep breath. Don't, don't sell it. You can give it to me. Don't sell it. Like, those are not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast may be a literal thing. It may be like the, the phylacteries, the things that the, that the Hebrew people have to put on their hands, the Orthodox, or on their heads. You know what's contained in those? The Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's God's mark on people. This sign that you have sworn your allegiance to the Lamb, the one who died for you. But the mark, the mark of the beast is the anti-Shema. It is something like hero Satan. Love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Everybody right now has a mark on your right hand, which is symbolizing the strong hand, and on your forehead, which is symbolizing all the things that are intimate in your life. Every one of you has a mark right now that is either a mark towards the beast or a mark towards the lamb. I don't know how that mark is going to play out, but people will know you have sworn allegiance to the beast. You can come and buy and sell and trade. It's a, how it plays out is going to be a mystery until it plays out. And you can speculate for days how it's all going to go down. People have said it's microchips, it's your credit cards, it's, the, it's all the things, it's, it's your ID, it's all the stuff. And, and people will post about things and they'll write kind of crazy stuff and then 20 years will go by and they'll think it's something else. I don't know how it's going to play out, but there will be a way for the whole world to know where is your allegiance. And this to not swear allegiance to this beast, it requires great wisdom. And so we have this call for endurance, and endurance starts one step at a time, following the Lord. And the way we avoid getting sucked into what everybody else is swearing allegiance to is wisdom. And in Proverbs it says that wisdom cries out with a loud voice. All who are hungry and thirsty come to me. But the woman folly, she too is loud and she calls out. All who are hungry and thirsty come to me. And so as we try to, to, to bolster that endurance of following the Lord when it's hard to follow the Lord. We've got to simultaneously ask God, give me wisdom. 
Help me to know when everybody who's going this way that I ought to go this way. And help me to know when they're all going this way if I should go that way too. Help me to know what path to take because there will be a giant sucking noise as all of humanity just gets caught up in this satanic vacuum. And it'll start like a wave in a stadium. A couple of people and then a few more and then it's just taken over. And only those with endurance that Christ provides and wisdom that Christ provides will escape this trap. But then, John sees something else. And I love this because it's, it's like John is in a museum and he's seeing this one big panoramic view of all evil And then he turns and he sees this other panoramic view. And the beauty of chapter 14, and I'll try to go through it in like two seconds. The beauty of chapter 14 is it paints the whole picture of what's going to take place in the rest of the book. John turns and he sees on Mount Zion the lamb. But not just seeing the lamb, he sees the lamb standing Folks, when Jesus is standing and he's in heaven, it's going down. What's the comparison? The beast has to rise up out of the sea and like take prominence. This lamb's already risen. He's got his prominence. He's got his place. And he's standing. The beast has to rise. And it's this this idea that he's hurrying and garnering the support of all the people. This lamb is standing and calm as he can be. And this lamb has this group of redeemed people around him. And they're singing a song. And it says that no one else could even learn the song because it's insider language. It was a sweet song taught to them in heaven. We had some great vocals up here tonight. We're going to have some great vocals up here in just a few minutes. But I think all of us would love to be taught a sweet song by the lamb who was slain and yet lives. And he taught him this song and nobody else could sing it. And then he sends out three angels. And the first angel flies across the world and proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. That means there's very little, if any, witness left on the earth. But the Lord loves the people so much that he says, even in their rebellion, I'll tell them about me. The second angel flies out in verse 8, and that angel proclaims defeat over Babylon. Babylon has fallen. This we'll see when we get to to Revelation 17 and 18, the great battle of Armageddon. And then, verses 9 through 11, he proclaims the victory of God's people and the death of all the wicked. And then you get a story at the very end. And the story is where the famous title, The Grapes of Wrath, comes from. He looks and behold, a white cloud and seated on the cloud is one like a son of man. This is Jesus seated on the cloud. Jesus has a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And an angel walks out from another cloud. I'm going to paraphrase it to you. An angel walks out from another cloud and says, the time is now to reap the harvest. And Jesus, with one swoop of his sickle, brings all of his people to him. 
1 Thessalonians 4. The people are brought up to God, and all of God's people are united. And then an angel, another angel walks out who also has a sickle. And a third angel walks over and says, it is time to reap the harvest of the grapes of the earth. And that angel sweeps its sickle over the earth, and all of those who rebelled against God and hardened their hearts over and over and over again, the ones who said, the ones who said, I'll be Christian later. Right now, it's not popular. It's not going to help me. The ones who hid in their Christianity, who were like, I'm just going to be like low-key Christian, but I'm still like Christian, is probably not Christian at all. Because they denied him before, their, before men, so he denies us before his father if we do that. And the plain old pagans, the folks who just said, forget you, God, I'm doing my own thing. And it says that the Lord trods them in the grapes of his wrath. And the blood flows 160 miles. In verse 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. So my question for you as we land the plane tonight, I think we have four choices. We can follow Satan. We can have cultural Christianity, which is no Christianity at all. We can hide our faith and still trick ourselves and say, no, 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 I'm really a Christian. I just got to do these things for like work or people or we can live in Christ. When I was in pre-K, Mrs. Black, who I had a big crush on, my pre-K teacher, she had dark hair, real cute. So I married Heather, who taught kindergarten. Um, I love that lady. She came over to our house, like helped my mom put up wallpaper. And I was like, I like when she comes over. Like, I really liked Mrs. Black. Um, she was married. It didn't work out. Um, but uh, but this, uh, this, this, this teacher, like, every day at recess, I, there was this bully, and he was, like, not, not a good kid. And I was so afraid to play at recess. Like, he, I was terrified of this kid. I just thought he was going to beat me up so bad every day. And I don't know if my mom told her, I don't know if somebody else told her, but she came over to me one day and she said, Thomas, I'm not going to let him hurt you while you play. She said, just go play. And it, it took as much faith as a four-year-old can have that if I was 10 feet away from her, she could get there quicker than the bully could take me out. And so I would play like a little bit away from her, but still like very close. And then I would play a little bit more further away. And then I'd play a little bit more further away. And pretty soon I was like, I feel comfortable in this whole playground. Now, was the bully still there? Yes. But was there one watching over me who was way more powerful than the bully? Look, the last options are only option. 
We need to live and move and breathe and have our being in Jesus Christ. We need to be confident that the one who watches over us is greater than the one who is in the world. We need to have great courage to speak up for him, to love others on his behalf, to say no when everything is going towards a satanic in a demonic way and say, sorry, I can't do that. I'm doing this thing. We need to have this moment in, of great comfort where we can, we can play in this playground called life that we're in for the glory of the Lord, knowing that he watches over us and he can protect us and he can keep us. And if he wants us to get beat up by the bully, let's get beat up by the bully for his glory. The way this chapter ends is Jesus with a word destroys the beast and Satan and the false prophet. With a word that's how this book's going to play out. He doesn't even have to raise a hand. So the question is, whose mark do you bear? The one who promises to give you a little bit of help now but will only lead you to death? Or the one who's already beat death? And who will beat all the wickedness and evil in the world. And who will reign forever and ever. That is the Lamb. And if you're wondering, like, whose mark do you have? Your life tells, tells us whose mark you have. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so as we get ready to close in worship tonight. I think some of you need to have some earnest confession. Some confession of, Lord, I have taken the mark of the beast in this area and that area and this area. I embrace these things that do not honor you and here's why and I'm so sorry. I think you need to have some real confession. I think you need to seek some real accountability in your life. People that'll tell you the hard truth. I think some of you need to, to up the ante on your endurance and say, how do I get in this book? How do I get in a group? You need to have this. You need to have Sunday morning. You need to have a group. You need to have all of it to build that endurance. And in the process, you'll gain the wisdom. And all of that will show that you really have been saved by the Lamb. So let's pray. Father, each of us bears a mark tonight. And Lord, we either bear your mark, the mark of the Lamb, or we bear the mark of Satan. And Lord, would you convict us, especially convict us if we're carrying two marks, trying to walk with you and hold hands with Satan in the world. Lord, would you just make it so clear who we're ultimately marked with? And may we call out to you for forgiveness. May we seek others to help us grow in you and have endurance and faith and wisdom. Lord, move in this place as we worship. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.